Uh, you know, Wilder had to deal with a fury of punches. Kim K hosted SNL. That's the type of week end it's been. I told you, Kim K is a role model. Right, J. Cole? Oh, it was a sight to see. Almost like it's for your eyes only. But apparently, uh, count it up. Count it up. Because she is counting it up. Which, by the way, I think she did great on the show. Well, great's a strong word. I think she did pretty well. I'm not one of those that has a uh, unlikable opinion about her. I actually feel for the most part, she does a lot of good for the world. People want to focus on surgeries, fabrications. Um, but, you know, one sex tape. It's like, alright, she has a sex tape. It's not the biggest deal in the world. We all have one out there somewhere. I have one on the same camera I'm recording on. So, nothing to see here. Welcome to episode 70 of the Often Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Clint. I'm recording this, recording this at 7.07 on a Monday morning, October 11th. The big O eleven. 11 Yeah. First, let me just talk about... I'm not a boxing expert, but, you know, I'll hit the back for five minutes at the end of my workouts at the gym. By the way, I'm below 250 now. It's weird that I weigh more than Deontay Wilder, but less than Fury. Uh, I guess you could say my body's in between. But it's not. Nowhere near in between. But, I thought the fight was entertaining as hell. At first... I thought it was going to be over in like the third round just by watching it. I didn't predict it or nothing. But it looked like, oh, Wilder's getting uh, pretty getting pretty worked. And then he just had like a, then he just, you know, I believe he got knocked down first. And then he got back up. Nothing crazy. And then you felt like, man, Fury's got the crazy advantage. And then all of a sudden Wilder comes in there and he starts wilding out. Without having eight kids. Like Nick Cannon. But he was throwing cannons to Tyson Fury's face. And uh, it hit him a couple times. He got knocked down a couple times. He stunned him a few times. The whole fight was entertaining. I'll always... You know, when people want to point out... Oh, he's not a technical boxer. He His feet were this and this was that. He has no left hand, this and that. I'm just like... You know what? I would rather watch someone that's not as quote-unquote technical. Even though, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that are quote-unquote more technical, but they're not as successful in the ring. Like, literally, his only losses are against arguably the best boxer of this generation, heavyweight-wise. But, people always want to focus on Wilder's not this and that. He's a one-trick pony type of shit. But, I will take someone who is less technical or less precise in all these other things. 
and enjoy a fight more than someone who goes 12 rounds and like the match before it when it was like these two dudes it was like the cuban striker like i think that was the nickname some other guy it was such a conservative fight and i'm just like i understand they're good fighters and good boxers i'm like this is this is terrible to watch I understand boxing's not all about just knockouts. It's not all about this, that, and the other. You can have enjoyment in the quote-unquote sweet science. And it's funny how people always quote sweet science, but don't understand what the sweet science is. Like, I don't either. That's why I never quote it. That's just one of those regurgitated fucking words that we have just abused. Kind of like children. But, neither here nor there. I enjoyed the fight. I think most people did. I don't know if it's like technically the greatest fight of the past decade or nothing, but it's one of the best boxing matches I've seen in a good while. And I've been watching more recently and shit like that. The entertainment value, the constant, the activity is the main thing. Like, I appreciate matches that are constantly active. Also, I will say this in boxing. It typically happens with more amateur fighters, like when you see these celebrity matches, I guess, where the refs are always breaking up when they get in the clinch and hold each other, when they throw a punch and they get clinched with each other. God, like, that shit got annoying, but at the same time, him separating them made them actually, like, fight and throw haymakers. It was a great fight. Now, Kim Kardashian. Talk about smooth transition, because, uh, she, uh, she threw some haymakers on the show. Honestly, I thought it was pretty well. Um, I thought the show, what, I don't watch the live show. They live, it's a weird formula they got there. What's the incentive of watching the show live? If you were literally, if you were literally going to post every single skit that's on the show on YouTube, literally an hour later. If that, sometimes they'll start posting the skits as the show's going on, or at least live on air. It's just weird to me, like, I mean, I guess it's working, whatever. But, I actually thought she did pretty well. Was she perfect? Like, I mean, yeah, you can see sometimes, like, little discomfort. You can see she may not have been, she may have got confused reading sometimes, all that, but. Overall, um, I would say it was very well put together for her. You know, she's obviously not a professional or expert in this. So for what they were doing, you could tell they well-crafted her role and tried to make sure she didn't have to. She didn't do a lot of moving in the skits, if you ever noticed that. It was pretty standstill, a presenter type, a very... You know, they had her in a lot of, like, um, announcer roles, like, informate, like uh, being a presenter in the skits. Like, the lotto skit, where she's literally just the lotto girl, and she just has to put her hand out here with the bachelor, with the bachelor, bachelorette. Jesus Christ. Uh, I guess she's the definition of bringing diversity to the bachelorette, since they have a hard time doing it in real life. But whatever. Um, so... She, um, you tell, like, they had her in very read and react things. And so they put her in good position. She performed well. 
And most of the skits I thought were actually pretty decent. You know, they weren't trash. I don't think there was any that was trash. A couple that's not for me, but for the most part, pretty well. And anyone that just sits there and says it was complete trash, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, there's a more deserving actor, more deserving comedian, more deserving this who deserves. Like, yeah, you know what? It's life. You can say, oh, well, this is taking... Uh, someone else who could have got their name brought up, someone who could have got notoriety for being on the show. It's like, well, also her being on the show gets people who probably wouldn't typically watch the show, watch the show. Because she does have like 88 fucking million followers on Instagram and shit. So, for people that want to say, oh, she's, you know, she took a spot away from uh, someone who's you know, uh, someone who they could have put like, a, you know, someone on a sitcom or someone who's kind of well known and could have helped their name. It's like, you know what? Sometimes it's not a show's responsibility to always just have people on the show just to boost their name. Guest stars specifically. Um, typically, the guest star is supposed to bring audience to the show that maybe they wouldn't have. Because reality with the show like that, it's like when you're searching for shows or podcasts specifically. Sometimes it doesn't really matter who the host or uh, it doesn't matter who the host of the show is, right? In terms of a podcast, right? Stay with me. I know it's going to get confusing, but when you're looking for a podcast, you don't. You're not going to necessarily watch every single interview that host does. If it's an interview type show, you're going to see, oh, do I want to listen to this guest or know this guest? Let me read their bio. Do they do something I'm even interested in? You are going to, you may watch the same, you may watch the same guest on five different podcasts in a three week stretch when they're going through one of their podcast runs. And then you may never listen to all those shows that they were on. Until like another three months when someone else that you likes on the show. People search for guests that they actually want to hear from. That's the reality of this stuff. And her being on the show. In this situation. Not every week are you going to want to watch SNL. Even if the skits turn out to be good. If it's just like some British theater actress who's amazing, but no one really has a invested interest in her, you have never really heard of her, and you may like listen to, you may watch one skit and it's okay, it's like, all right, like, it's cool. But if it's, but if you see it's like Justin Timberlake or Owen Wilson or just a consistent person that always performs when you know they're on the show. Then yeah, you're, or if it's Dave Chappelle, he has like the most viewed, which uh, he has a lot of views for a lot of different reasons now. Oh, views, kind of like Drake's album. You with me or what? That's what he's asking his audience. And most of his audience, well, they're with him. Hopefully they don't, uh, I guess you could definitely tell they don't feel no ways for other parties. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Clint, Jesus Christ. The fire and desire are definitely um, causing some hotlines to bling. 
Oh, Jesus. Stop, 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 Clint. Stop. Oh, by the way, when Drake uh, performs, people are going to watch or listen. Anyways. Yes, she may not be, quote, unquote, talented in the sense of what she was hosting. There's millions of people probably more qualified in the actress field, in the comedy field, whoever typically would be on the show in that field. But guess what? At the end of the day, it's also kind of a business. You can hate on her for being, you know, an influencer, for <clears throat> always presenting an image that's harmful to young women, which I find that ironic because I look, I don't understand how it's harmful if she's confident in herself. That's what it's all about. Uh, she gets plastic surgery. It's like, all right, you know what? If most people had the money to get plastic surgery, they probably would. At least something. You at least get your teeth done. You may get some nerves and your foot done. I don't know. You may get uh, you may get liposuction. People do a lot of things if they had the money to get certain things. She just has a lot of fucking money to do it. I mean, but she brings viewership to a show that obviously is big within itself. And people say, oh, SNL is not funny anymore. It's like, okay, well, they still get million views per skits on YouTube. Someone watches. Somehow, they've been on for 45 years. People keep on watching. There's ebbs and flows. Some years are better. Some shows are better, depending on the host. Sometimes it doesn't matter who the host is. The show's not great. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. But look at the number. Like, I remember... The show came out yesterday, and I remember there's a couple of skits today, like, came on my recommended. And they already had, like, a million and a half, two million views, which not all of skits on SNL hit a million views on YouTube, at least that quickly. So, the point is, she brings a recognition, and recognition to the show, that when you bring someone on... That your typical audience member may not typically watch. But you bring them to watch. And guess what? They may watch next week's. Then next week's. Then next week's. I don't need to explain this to you. But I thought it was good all around. And she, It was a good enough quality show where it wasn't a walking embarrassment. You can definitely tell she's not a natural actress. It's like, okay. But she definitely... um. She definitely, they definitely put her in a position to win. Unlike Matt Nagy did for Justin Fields in his first start. It's funny how that is. By the way, great Sunday. Great Sunday of football. A lot of missed kicks. Um, a lot of, a lot of weirdness going on. But I liked it. By the way, for people, I don't understand this hate. On announcers, specifically the better ones in the business. Like Chris Collinsworth is probably one of the best. Me personally, I think he's one of the best. Like I guess it's called color analyst, where he's breaking down the game. He's the football guy in the booth without Michaels. Chris Collinsworth is like to me. I think he's one of the better ones. You could argue, you know, maybe. Um, you know, Romo's up there. You know, I have a few slip in my mind. 
but there there's definitely those there's definitely a few that are that are top of the top of the food chain. And these people bitching about oh he's just, I, I hate it. Oh he's so annoying. It's like how is he annoying? He's better than 90% of the ones that Fox rolls out on their channel. They just any like you could definitely tell Chris Collinsworth is seasoned, trained, and everything. And but he still has that sense of humor in games that I enjoy. Sometimes when you listen to announcers, it's kind of sometimes too serious, like you are covering a football game. And I like, you know, him and Al, <clears throat> they'll put they'll put some little quips in there here and there. They'll criticize. I mean I think what's the beauty about their podcast is that maybe because they're both so big and so established that they don't have to they don't have to sit here and hold their tongue on things like they may not directly just say like oh the refs suck today cuz they don't want to put that type of media scrutiny on the refs but you could definitely tell they were like hmm they were like wow seems like uh seems like we have a are like i believe tonight they said Oh, we have a, it seems like another one of those, huh? Yeah, it seems like a lot of those, these games. And then they'll show the replay, like, yeah, that's a, like, hmm. I'll just say that's a very, that's a, that's a very questionable call. Like, they'll be generous about it, but you know what they're saying. I don't understand people that hate on Chris Collinsworth. I just think he's funny. I think he... I think he, some people, when they cover a game, they try to be, they try to be too funny and all this shit, but not actually be in tune with the game. It seems like he has that good balance in between plays. He may make a little joke that make you chuckle. Like, remind yourself, like, this is a football game. This is lighthearted. You're not watching a, you know, a freaking political convention. Like, it ain't that serious, bro. Even though what's happened on the field can become very, <clears throat> very serious if gone wrong. But in day, football is entertainment. Announcers provide entertainment. And Chris Consworth is entertaining. Now, I understand that people were bitching about, oh, he basically uh, chugging Mahomes half a billion dollar cock down his throat. No matter what, even when he was throwing picks and shit, but... And then he wouldn't give Josh Allen like any like MVP credit and all this stuff. Like, oh, he's not gonna. It's like, oh well, you know, he. I mean, Al brought like, yeah, you know, he's a lot of people are saying maybe MVP by the end of the year. And then Chris Collins was like, well, you know, you know, he's obviously like first two years he was, you know, it was average at best. And then last year he was fantastic, and this year. It seems like he, I mean, he was given an honest assessment. Like, yeah, he's starting to get back on the last year track, plus even a little more. Because the first, like, game, like, two out of the first four games, he was pretty good. Or, like, two out of the first four games, you could see, like, he wasn't terrible. It was more of a somewhere in the middle of being, you know, problems he had his first couple years, and but still showing the positive progressions, but sometimes reverting back to old things. And he said something as simple as when he took a sack going backwards, like, oh, it's like, look, this is a part of his game. Like, he's got to, 
he's got to fix this because it's too many negative plays. He's a spectacular player. He can make up and make all these plays. He's like, there's a difference. And he was basically trying to get to There's a difference between extending the play and sometimes you're going to get sacked, lost on play, stuff happens. But he was talking about specifically when he just starts running backwards unnecessarily, like just running backwards. It's like if you have to run eight yards backwards, you just throw the ball out of bounds. Like nothing good is going to happen at that point. And Bill's fans were all in their fucking feelings about, oh, he's oh, he's just hating on our quarterback. It's like, no, he's not. It's like, but, the, and, oh, he's, he's saying he's not MVP. It's like, well, technically, if it wasn't for this game, which, by the way, he played fucking amazing tonight or last night, technically. He played fucking amazing. Like, running, throwing, everything. He was just consistent, precise, and everything. But yeah, like, before this game, Josh Allen probably technically wouldn't have been, like, a top four MVP candidate just based off what he's played this year, which he hasn't played, like, below par. He's played a pretty damn good, but not enough where there's plenty of other players who have played probably technically better up to this point in the season. And Mahomes technically was still statistically in every facet still playing kind of better. But I don't understand like what is with this hate towards Chris Collinsworth or when people just want to bitch about announcers because they don't like the way oh they sound biased. It's like no that's actually as unbiased as it can get. But whatever, not going to go down a rabbit hole about that. Uh, so, I've been, uh, I recently watched a Seinfeld, the, the Seinfeld documentary from 2002, I believe. It may have been, it's like early 2000s, late 90s. It's a documentary called Comedian, which is basically following Jerry Seinfeld. Obviously, he was on the fucking show Seinfeld. I mean, um, but it's following him getting back into stand up after doing the show, you know, starting over, new material, all that shit. And I would recommend people go see it. It's on Netflix. You go see it. It's called Comedian. It shouldn't be that hard to find. But what fascinated me, right, about the documentary, because they followed him and they followed this other comedian who still actually performs and is active today, named Orny Adams. And it kind of, listen, like, it was very cringeworthy to watch the Orny Adams dude. Because he was a person who wasn't established yet, but during the documentary... He started to get like, he got a late night show gig. He started getting better gigs. He got, he got George Shapiro, which was a producer on Seinfeld. So I'm only assume Seinfeld kind of gave him a little bit of a connection there. Being his documentary, like, hey, I'll give you a little bit of connection here. To be like your manager type of thing. What fascinated me about the show, about the documentary, what it kind of showed is the differences between someone who has made it and then some and the attitude of someone who feels like they 
deserve more just because. Just because they've been doing it X amount of time. Just because they put in the work, per se, in. And also, just to be frank about it, Orny Adams' attitude was just cringeworthy through the whole thing. All he did was talk about how great he is, which is like, okay, confident, not confident, whatever. You could say you have to have that confidence that you you have to believe in yourself and all that stuff. But he really, all he did was talk about anytime someone who would try to help him, like a like a club manager watches set and all this stuff, and they would try to be like, look, your stand-up is great and all this stuff, but you, no one likes being around you because you're just kind of a dickhead, and it's not even an enjoyable dickhead. It's this unwarranted feeling of yourself. And I think it relate, it can relate to real life because you see how people who have been successful and handled success and all that. And you see people that are guests in the same field, but they have the attitude that they feel like they should be where the top of the, you know, where the top of the field is like Seinfeld in this case at the time he was like basically one of the guys or the guy and what was so fucking annoying about the Orny Adams dude he just it was just his sense of who the fuck would want to be around this guy like he did not and maybe some of one thing I thought is maybe for the documentary camera, maybe he played up a little bit, right? Because he knew this documentary was going to get his name out there. So he felt like he had to make a name for himself in terms of whether people like me or not, I want them to remember me in this sense. But it seemed like he just genuinely was just kind of annoying as a person. Um, did not take any slight of criticism. Even when the people who he wants to be are trying to help him get there. Which is not unheard of if you're younger. I believe he was 28, you know, during this documentary or whatever. Which is not unheard of if you're younger. No one likes being told things that they can do better or things that they can, you know, pointers to get better at whatever it is, because it's something they've put a lot of time in. In his case, he put six years in, he had at home, he rewatched the video, studied himself and all this stuff. Like, he really, like, obviously he took a series, put a lot of work in. But, they were just basically trying to help him, like, dude, every, this behavioral thing you're doing, this aura of, I'm, I'm fucking, I know everything type of thing. Like, you had this, you have this, I've made it attitude before you made it. And then you have someone like Seinfeld who's flying in private jets, doing, doing a set here in this city in New York. And then he flies out to Las Vegas and does a set and he's doing sets all night. When he's got 50 plus million in the bank at the time, if not more. And he still takes the craft of what he's doing like 
he's at the bottom. He he went in with the attitude when he started over that I'm starting with new material from the bottom. And the like when you have that type of money and success and just to humble yourself that in order to get where I want to get with this, you can't have the attitude of this is you like, oh, people are gonna like me just because of who I am. He's like, at the end of day, if I don't go out there with good stuff, even with my name, they'll give me a couple minutes at the beginning of Grace and oh, Seinfeld's here. But at the end of day, if it's not good, they're gonna let you know. You know, you can see he's someone who's thinking through his, like, he's working through stuff or whatever. He's working through whatever, his material and all that shit. And this guy, Orny, like, it's just this uh, sense of, he just came off as very unlikable. And I'm not here this shit on, like, you know, his career or nothing, because I believe he's even, he's still, he's still an active com- a comedian. He's working. You can find him on YouTube. And stuff, but to be honest, after watching that documentary, I looked up his name on YouTube and looked at it, and I'm like, I don't even want to see this guy stand up. I don't want to see his newer material because I'm. A, I would hope he's grown just from being that type of guy, but he just it and it kind of showed me that first. It reminds you that your first impressions of someone does matter in that sense. Because he can be a completely different guy and all this shit. And during the documentary, he just came off as whiny. As, oh, all my friends have families and this and that. He's like, okay, but are you... Sounds like, okay, but are you doing what you love? He's like, well, yeah. He's like, okay, then what are you complaining about? It's like... It's like, oh, I'll worry about, you know, I'm 28. Nothing's going there. He's like... And Seinfeld didn't get his break till was like, what, 30s, mid-30s when he got on Seinfeld or whatever. He's like, and he didn't bring that up, but he's just probably like, if you're doing what you love, who the fuck cares what age you are doing it? If you're so worried about what you're doing at a certain age, if you're worried about what you're doing because you're worried about what other people think of what you're doing, then you're probably not doing the right thing. Because when you truly obsess and love something, you do not, nothing can stray you away from that. And that documentary, it made me just like, and he was one of those that kind of had the attitude like, oh, like it was amazing because there was a part where he went up on a stage, Orny Adams went up on a stage and performed or whatever and he and then you know he did it like the small little clip after he did an interview with the doc and he was just like yeah you know i hate you know people don't fucking know you know that shit's funny you know the crowd sucked you know this and that and the uh, you know that's the reason why that joke didn't hit blah 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 and literally later in the documentary seinfeld's in a room with like four other comedians Pretty known ones. A couple of them are slipping my mind right now. I believe uh, Tom Papa was in the room. He had... um Shit. There was a couple others. Pretty well known ones as well. 
and they're sitting in a room at a comedy club that they're performing at. They just perform, and they're all sitting. These are all proven comedians, much farther along the progression than the other dude. And they're all sitting there. Ironically, he's talking about you know comedians will always make the excuses like, oh, the crowd's this, the scent of the candles aren't this, ah, uh, the pants I wore today. It's like no, you just weren't good. You just weren't good that day. That's all it is. And it was funny because right when he said that, all I thought about was earlier in the documentary where the guy, the other comedian, was saying, oh, the crowd didn't find my joke funny. Uh, That's because they suck. They don't get it. They don't get comedy. I know comedy and all this shit. And they're sitting at the table like, the second, and I believe they even said, I believe he even said, the second you think you've made it, the second you think that you know this better than anyone else is the second you stop being good at it. Because if you can't humble yourself to think that something you do is not good enough or whatever or the work on some, then your just stuff will deteriorate over time. And it's just the humbleness of the difference between someone who's been through it, has success, and then someone who hasn't had that type of success to it. I believe it translates to a lot of different, you know, you could translate it to different situations in your life from my life. Where you've probably been on both sides of the coin. Where you felt like you knew something better than the teacher. Where you felt like you understood something better than someone else. And then you realize over time, like, man, I should have, I should have listened. Or um, maybe I should have been more, maybe I should have admitted that I was wrong or that I didn't know it all. You know, maybe I should have listened to my coaches more. Maybe I should have, you know, taken a step back and just work on what I'm doing more. Whatever it is. But it shows the the mindset of someone who is the top of the field at his time. And the other person who... I'm not even one of those people that likes to say, oh, well, look at their their career sucks and all this shit. That's not what I'm saying because he's an active comedian. But I would only assume if he stayed that same behavior, there's a reason why we on a uh, outside of the documentary haven't really heard of this guy on a more mainstream or national level. I'm not even talking about on Seinfeld's level, but just like on a generic comedian that a lot of people know like I don't think he's that well known and I think you could see a lot in his approach of why maybe that approach doesn't sustain to make you the best of what you can do it actually holds you back more because you think you're know-it-all and but I don't know I thought you know that documentary really opened my eyes in a lot of ways it was very it's very cool to see kind of behind the scenes Following what it's like to go through a night of going on spots of the mindset of trying to start over in something that you've already achieved. Like imagine if I your job that you've been at for, I don't know, four years and you've gotten pay raises and all this stuff and you moved up the ranks and let's say you've got like some office job and you're getting 70000 a year, which is a pretty good job. And then, you know what? We actually need you to start over to prove that you can do it again. 
So for the next six months, you have to start over where you started at, which was, let's just say, working on the floor, distributing, whatever job your job is. And you take a pay cut down to, let's say, 30000 It's a big pay cut. And let's say you're back working the manual hard labor of the job. And you're, you're down there in the mud specifically. You were literally hands-on. Let's say you work a, let's say you're in charge of a, uh, like a car shop or a car dealership. You're back in the garage, you know, uh, fixing vehicles, you know, um, holding the flashlight for someone while they're working on stuff. You're out there under it to, you know, make sure the lifts are up. You're out here, like literally like you're being babied positioned back into it. When just a week ago, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, you were in the office, you know, just racking up checks, cushiony job, didn't have to get your hands dirty, you know, you're making deals, you know, it's more over the phone, it's more of a customer service, appreciative type of role, <clears throat> and now you're literally back in the garage, Moving eight hours a day like that. Tired as hell when you get off work. Starting over. The humbleness it would have to take for someone. To take that step back. In order to remind themselves to appreciate what they have. Or to honestly. Because sometimes we get to certain places and positions. In many different facets of life. And we get there. And we kind of become too. We kind of become too full of ourselves. We think, oh, we're on fire, but like, oh, we're too good at our jobs. Everyone else sucks type of thing. Like, oh, they're the ones that don't get it. It's always, you know, they're the ones that don't get it type of mentality. Shut up, phone. Um, And I, I believe that, where was I? Oh, yeah. It's like something like... We kind of like, we kind of become this mindset that we don't, that we become a little bit too complacent, that we always think we know, we know everything that's needed to know about this. When you are one bad day away from getting demoted, you're one bad day away from getting fired, you get fired or demoted for a lot of different reasons. How do you handle that? And what if you have to prove and relearn and then learn new stuff? And working your way back up to your office position. What if there's some, I don't know, for a Jeep? No, common a homeowner here, car owner, I should say, but some people live in them. Um, what if you? What if there's some new things? Yeah, they've changed Jeeps over time. What if they move the battery from this place to this place? Engine from here, they push it under. Like you know. Whatever parts of a car, um, whatever, anything under the hood, anything under the car, in the car, that you have to learn new. And it, you, know, you have to prove and that you know the ins and outs because things change over time. It's like medical. It's like every like three or four years you have to kind of relearn certain things because medicine is constant. You know, new medical information is constant. You know, something that applied three years ago. May have been a lot of research done and be like, hey, you know what? 
If you do this now, it's proven if you do this now, you actually damage someone's uh, lungs when you do certain procedures. So, you know what? Don't do this anymore. So, you, I remember in school, in certain like bio, like science classes and stuff, we would have nurses that were already nurses and uh, doctors to an extent that already been in the field for like eight or ten years, but they're now the hospital paid for and everything, but they had to spend like a couple semesters in specific classes to relearn things or to like, I guess to make sure you're keeping sharp and keeping on top of your shit. But on top of that, also to make sure you know this new information, because literally the ramifications of you not know this is someone being alive or someone dying. It could be like lawyers. There's laws constantly being changed. Procedures in courtrooms and all that shit. Shit changes all the time. Loopholes. Something that applied in 1998 doesn't apply now. You gotta constantly be on top of that shit. And really, that documentary is a microcosm. People look at a profession like that. And look, it's definitely... A lot funner profession than a lot of professions. And sometimes it can be unfathomable to imagine people making millions of dollars doing it. But the point of it is that you have to go with it with the same approach. That you are constantly learning. You're constantly getting better. You're constantly working on your craft in a sense. Adjusting to what audiences react to compared to 1998 to 2012. Audiences are going to react to different things. You have to be, you have to adjust to that. I just thought it was something that it's one of those documentaries that, yes, it's about comedy, all that shit. But I really feel like a 12 year old can watch that and a 40 year old can watch that and take away a similar lesson that can still apply to the time of the lives that they're at. To understand that even the professions that look the funnest and stuff take a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice. And it could be a 40-year-old that can be inspired. Like, you know what? I'm going to pursue this. It could just be for looks at this. Like, you know what? I need to I need to be more um, humble in my profession, you know? Because yeah, I don't want to be this fucking orny. It's kind of a weird name. This orny guy who's literally so full of himself. And there's no even proven, like, even if Seinfeld was that type of, even if Seinfeld was that fucking, um, fucking annoying and about himself, even with all of his success watching the documentary, it would make you not like him, even with his success, especially with this guy. It was like, dude, like, there's no way someone watches that. Like, oh yeah, I want to fuck that. Like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a guy I would want to go out with. You know, that's a guy I would want to go grab a beer with. Like, no, this dude just does nothing but talk about himself. This dude does nothing but just think that no one can tell him anything. And no one wants to be around that guy. But I'm assuming he's grown by now. I'm assuming, like, he's matured or whatever. Like, I don't know. But... I think a lot of people could take a lot of things from them. So go check out Comedian, the documentary on Netflix. All right. What are we at? 43? Okay. I'll wrap it up then. Okay. 
That was episode big 70 of the Off and Beat Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and most importantly, suck some titties. Oh, I realize I spoke in a really low voice today. Very low voice. Remember, 249.2 pounds now. Progression is all that matters. Look at the biceps. Ooh, 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 daddy. All right, guys. Have a great day.